0: yet another edition of Comfortably Numb, the official podcast of the Umbrella Society. My name is Blake Anderson, the host of this podcast and also the program's manager here at the Umbrella Society in beautiful Victoria, British Columbia on the traditional unceded territories of the Lekwungen-speaking peoples. So this is gonna be our second to last podcast of 2023 as we'll take a brief break over the holiday season. And speaking of the holiday season, I just wanted to touch on and acknowledge the fact that although the holidays can be a time of warmth and celebration and happiness, this time of year can be incredibly difficult for many of us, especially those struggling with substance use challenges or even in recovery. Uh, The Christmas season can bring up hard memories of holiday hardships riddled with shame and guilt. So please remember that not everyone is in a joyful mood at this time of year. It's difficult because at a lot of times, local resources and supports can shut down during this time of year where the need for support is actually greater than other times of the year. This is why I'm grateful for the programs that do remain open and consistent throughout the holidays. Um, in Victoria, uh, Raz, the recovery support group through Island health, which runs every day, 365 days a year. It's so vital due to its consistency and providing support when other services are closed down. So just a shout out to Raz group, Um, You know, Umbrella is trying our best um, to increase our supports through this holiday season as well by expanding our drop and support opportunities. Uh, Anyways, this is just a reminder that this season may be harder on some than others. Um, Okay, changing gears. I want to introduce my guest for today. Um, I have on a really amazing woman by the name of Eileen. Eileen has been a friend of Umbrella's for a long time. Uh, she completed her practicum with us uh, as part of her mental health and addictions program through Camosun college here in Victoria she's a prominent member of the recovery community in the city and is well known for her kindness and grace Eileen is truly a gentle soul who seems to have the ability to connect with almost everyone she meets Uh, she is proud of her indigenous heritage and graciously teaches others about her culture in the most inviting way Um, Eileen has seen success in her lifelong battle with addiction and homelessness, and has approached recovery with a great deal of self-discovery and transformation. It is my pleasure to introduce Eileen to this podcast. Okay, Eileen, thank you so much for coming in today and uh, having a chat with us you've been a part of our recovery campaign this year, yes. uh, through the month of September. Uh, you've also been well, well known in the umbrella family. It seems like for, wow. for a long time. Yeah. Um, I know you did your, your practicum with us, mm-hmm. uh, when you were doing your mental health and addictions program and yes. that was amazing. And yeah. you were able to impart, uh, some, some cultural, uh, significance to, to your, your time with us mm-hmm. and, and really share that, um, you know, with the residents of, of, you know the place you were supporting yeah uh that was quite powerful for us, and we really uh, appreciate that so yeah we we've really uh yeah had a had a great great relationship yeah. with you uh, uh, so far, and I'm just so glad that we could get you on and and hear uh, your story and and have a chat and thank you so much for taking the time and I always say this thanks for having the courage to come and share your story i know it's some, sometimes not easy so
1: definitely definitely not and kleco kleko for inviting me over it's such an honor to be here today amazing yeah oh, thank you
0: yeah. Yeah, so you know, I always start, and I'm starting to feel like a broken record when I say this, okay. but I love to get a, a backstory, and 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 I really like to hear uh, some context, you know, yeah. uh, what what you know led up to to addiction, and what what life looked like, you know, during during your your active addiction, um, okay. you know, uh, and steering into you know that that journey into recovery. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would love to start. Where, where did you grow up? I mean, I don't well, know a lot
1: about your, your story, to be honest. Yeah. Um, again, you know, that's one of the things of the blessings of being here is that, you know, I get that we've done some professional work in the past, but, you know, nobody really knows whose story's whose. Right. Right. Other than being acquaintances. How are you doing? How's your day going? Everything's fine. Right. Right. But yeah, that that's one of the blessings of doing this is that you get to know a little bit more about me as I get to share it with others, right? Absolutely. I was basically born and raised in Nanaimo, B.C. Okay. And, you know, I, the island is home. I've always bounced between Victoria and Nanaimo throughout my decades. Right. And I'm 53 now, so, you know, Victoria is home. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And as
0: far as, um, you know, growing up, was it fairly, fairly typical?
1: Mm. um, uh, Yeah, fairly typical childhood? You know, this is the thing, you know, I I grew up in a very dysfunctional, very unhealthy setting. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was pretty painful. But, you know, there was some good times, too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, there was some bad times, but there were some good times as well. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, I grew up in a family, like my mom raised me by herself with my other siblings. And, you know, she did the best she could with what right. little she had to go on. Right? right. Yeah. I'll give her that. Right. Right? Because she is my mom, and she did the best she could with Absolutely. me and my 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 past siblings yeah right yeah yeah
0: yeah you know i think that's uh it's always something to recognize you know even if there's there's challenges you know yeah recognize that people are are just human themselves right (laughs) the best they can right yeah yeah so i mean as far as you know addiction is concerned when did Mm -hmm. when did that start showing its face in in your life or when did you first kind of get introduced
1: well Um, you know it was so rampant with my mom and many of her partners um it just really became part of the norms when i was growing up um her substance use Mm -hmm. um it was just something that i've learned over the decades and i remember when i was a kid I I knew when the check days were, right? I knew when the family allowance days were. Mm. Funny thing about that, too, is that those are the times I knew I could get into trouble. Right. right? So, yeah, the addiction was at home. It was very rampant. You know, there was violence. There was mm-hmm. the police. There was being evicted, so on and so forth, Right. These are the norms that I grew up with. Right. And, you know, therefore it was inevitable that I became an alcoholic and a drug addict. Right. Eventually, way before I picked up. Right. right. Yeah. Just yeah. But the environmental
0: impact yes. alone. Right.
1: Yeah. Again, you know, being mindful that it is my mom. And mm-hmm. um, she did do the best she could with what little she had to go on. Right, right, and I do love my mom.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And so you know, obviously, like yeah, like you say, that kind of sets the sets the stage for for yeah. you know your future in a sense. Yeah. Um, when when did you personally start getting introduced to, to substances at a really early
1: age, or was it? Um, I just remember it was basically, I think I was fourteen. I had my first drug, and then I was about 15, I had my first drink, Mm. right? And it just did something to me that it made me feel better, right? right? It took away a lot of my problems. I remember where I had my first drug. I remember exactly where I had my first drink. Right. Yeah. So these are kind of like profound moments in your life, essentially, right? Yeah. You know, it was in Nanaimo. And, you know, again, you know, after watching my my family or my mom be doing that all the time, you know, I just never really, it never really, I'd have to say, attracted me Mm, Okay. until I actually used them. myself i just remember my mom just she kept telling me when i was a kid even way before i picked up Mm -hmm. i know you use i know you drink come on you can have one with me right and i would i would say no say no and i remember i don't know how many times i told her i don't Right. And I I didn't even smoke either at the time, right? Yeah, okay. So yeah, um, until I actually had those, that was basically it was all downhill from there.
0: Right. Um, yeah. Right. So I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, that's not not an incredibly mm-hmm. So you had had some conviction at first based on yeah. I guess seeing your mom through it, you know. Yeah. And but then right, as soon as
1: you experience it yourself, it's a it's yeah. a different story. Yeah.
0: And so downhill, what, what did that look like? Was this? Uh...
1: Well, you know, when I think about that, you know, I knew that what was going on wasn't right at home mm-hmm. with my mom using all these substances. And it didn't feel like home. Right. I remember when I was um like, oh, geez, I must have been about 11, 12. I wanted to do an intervention at home. Wow. And I told my mom. And one of my would-be several stepfathers, right? I told my mom that I wanted to do a family meeting, right? Wow, wow it that, feels- <laughs> that takes a lot of courage for a 12-year-old to... Yeah, yeah. it's just interesting how that happened because not only I kind of knew it was wrong in my gut, but what really sparked that I was watching TV and um, there was this commercial on and it had to do with a little boy who you know left his home and stood outside his porch while there was all sorts of violence going on inside at home right Mm. and i watched that that commercial and that little boy all alone sitting on the porch and then it just implemented this word try right so i was i was only assuming that maybe try something different try stop using drugs right, right. that was the message i got back then uh-uh. and i remember that's what really motivated me to you know try and set this family meeting kind of like right. an intervention setting yeah. like this is not right We need to talk about this. Wow. Right. It never went on, unfortunately. My mom did ask, well, what happened to the meeting? I remember that. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really, I didn't grow up with being assertive. I didn't grow up with having a voice. I didn't grow up with being taught how to communicate your feelings and your thoughts. Right. Because silence was part of that shame in home. Right. right. With all the addiction and the abuse that was going on.
0: Well, yeah. and I mean, that's a big ask too
1: of a twelve, thirteen year old. Yeah. To,
0: right? To to yeah. have to be that that person who steers the ship on that. But wow, yeah. just even even having the uh you know, trying to do that and ha- yeah. making the attempt that that's quite something. But it also shows too, but yeah. yeah. It's
1: a tr- tricky place for you to be in. Yeah. It was, and you know, I'm 53 today, and this is the first time I ever brought this up. Wow, right? well,
0: That's an honor. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's
1: amazing. So obviously, you you,
0: you had this idea, and, and you knew that you know what was going on mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't normal and wasn't right. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden, kind of this inevitable, you're now getting brought into it through your yeah. own experiences. Yeah um how did this impact you know your your school you're like 14 15 this is still you're still going to school at this point
1: yeah you know i was doing I, i'd done okay in elementary i loved being in elementary school mm. and you know i just remember you know my late brother you know he went to school more than i did oh no sorry he skipped out of school more than i did right mm. He passed and I didn't. Okay. <laughs> that was just uh, you know, a really fond memory because we talked about that. Like, how did you pass when I went to school more than you did? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as I, as I grew up, you know, I... The, again, you know, even in schools, we didn't have that consistency because we were always moving around. Okay. We didn't have that um, stability. Right. develop and nurture friendships in many schools right but i did love my elementary school i made it to junior high which is like wow okay. a huge stepping stone for me yeah 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 i uh got to junior high and um that's when things started getting challenging for me um you know being introduced to drugs and that became more of a, a factor for me okay. um and then came okay well how am i going to supply my need for this right? right so of course i had to also learn how to steal in order to you know pay for my drugs right so you know Again, you know, the whole high school thing, it was pretty much all downhill. Mm -hmm. Um, I just remember, you know, before it got to that extreme that, um, you know, I was at um, John Barsby. And they were about to expel me, right? And I had to face the principal by myself on both counts to try and keep myself in school, right? Right. Because my, my mom was not able to be present during that time. Right. So I really had to learn how to stand and fend for myself. Right. And I did that. I went to the principal a couple of times in junior high to say, please don't kick me out of school, right? Mm-hmm. But the, his deci- decision still stood two times, right? Right. So eventually, I got expelled from junior high school, and started getting in trouble with the law. Right. It was again, you know, it was pretty clear to which direction I was going. Yeah, right. yeah. And did you feel at this point, you know, the the, the wheels had come
0: off, and you're kind of out of control, or did yeah. you did you? Yeah, what were, were there moments of clarity, like, oh man, I'm, you know uh i gotta make a change or like i've got a problem or was it just a re 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 in tunnel vision at this mode and
1: well you know i do remember having some pretty bad withdrawals from alcohol one time and it was my first introduction i didn't really like what it did to me Mm. i knew that but um i just continued to drink anyway just to make myself feel better And, you know, as for the drugs, too, you know, it it just all really has taken a big snowball effect. Because it now became, okay, now I really need to keep up numbing and keep inducing these drugs in order for me to make it throughout the day. Right. 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 Yeah. So, yeah. It was just now a sustainability issue. And how am I going to... Sustain, so I can feel okay. Just to keep it going. You know, again, it, it didn't take me long to get addicted. Um, right. Again, it was, you know, it didn't matter which one I used. It Both of them made me feel better about right. myself. And both of them made me, you know, whole, if you will. That's what I mm. believed back yeah. then, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it sounds like this
0: is kind of going towards a a, a hard, hard path that, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden you're on. Um, yeah. When, when was your, your first step? Did this like go right through in into your twenties or when, how long did it take for you to hit a point of reckoning as it were, you know, that, Hey, I, I need mm-hmm. to do something about this or, yeah. you know,
1: was it? Well, I'm, I'm that type of um, addict that is pedal to the metal. Um, you know, there's, that's definitely one of my transferable skills. <laughs> um, you know, it's like my determination and my willingness never, ever, ever stops. Right. So, you know, it got to the point where, you know, I was 16. I was not only kicked out of home but I left home and hit the streets, right? Okay. So therefore, you know, getting introduced to the streets at 16, it's like, oh, okay, now I'm here, and I have this new girlfriend, like, well, what do we do now, right? Living on the street in Vancouver, we didn't have any money, Mm -hmm. and we're right down on Main and Hastings, right? Right. And we're just kids, and um it's a hard place to be for a 16 year old a hard place for anybody let alone a yeah it was we managed yeah. yeah we managed to stay there for a little bit but um she wanted to take me to meet her mom in merit so we went and stayed with her over there and uh we did and of course you know that what was going on there was also it happened at my home as well right Mm. all the drinking right the excessive drinking and you know it just felt oh okay this is all what i'm used to it's like right let's drink more and you know i met her mom and um wow i've never ever talked about this Mm. so i i do remember being there for probably about a year ish and then we made ourselves back to Vancouver we're just always all over the place like it was unpredictable right? you know there was no stability we didn't know where we were going and you know it's also me too like this is where I don't know where I'm going right? I just basically whenever wherever like this was just my lifestyle then right, right. I'll just go wherever I, I want to go do whatever I want to do may that be drugs stealing getting in trouble it didn't really matter where i went at that age right right it it was going to follow you or right you were going to bring that yeah Yeah. right yeah yeah so you know i mean there was you know i i never wanted to stop once i became addicted um there was just again that's just one of my very strong transferable skills, mm-hmm. you know. Because now I can use that energy of what I put into using into something else. Right. Right. right.
0: So at the time, mm-hmm. this this energy and this determination was just going towards the wrong, the wrong direction. Right. So it's, it's a very admirable quality to have. Yeah. Just the wrong application or the yeah, yeah. challenging application. Right. Yeah. yeah okay
1: it did lead to jails hospitals and institutions and death right like it's it's mentioned in the programs that i go to and that i love you know i mean i remember you know i um didn't really know too much about recovery or 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 that it even existed just other than that um that little intervention I attempted to do in my early years, but I didn't mm. know that there was actual resources for people who were struggling mm. with alcohol and drug addiction. Right? I had no idea. Right. right. So you were kind of you didn't even know this
0: world existed, and you were just right entrenched in the world that you knew. Yeah. At yeah. this point right yes yes so on the on the streets you know in a in a bad way kind of from your teens on uh it was you know was it was there a shift and i mean i I guess periods Mm -hmm. of incarceration too is which i i know from you know my experience working in in the the jail um how challenging that is going back and forth between these two worlds and how that can really become a,
1: a quite a cycle yeah yeah, I remember, too, in my early 20s that um, this is something that I believed. I believed that if I went to jail, I'd be away from life for a little while, and I'll be okay. Wow. Uh-huh. That's what I strongly believed. So it was in. like a
0: reprieve, almost. Or yeah, like a, right? it was,
1: because it stopped, you know, it kept me contained. Right. Right, and when I knew I was contained... I knew I couldn't really do much, right? Right. So yeah, it was a bit of a, a relief too. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, thank God, I can get away from this life and go to jail. Right. right? That was normal, right, for me back then.
0: Well, you know what? That was always, that was actually one of the first things when I when yeah. I worked my program in the jail. I I met a fellow, one of the first fellows I met, and he mm-hmm. said. Well, I'm I'm due to be out, you know, in in a month. But if I'm lucky, that I get, they'll hold me on for a couple more months, you yeah, know. And yeah. that just blew me away. Yeah. And that that the center was, like you say, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it was a place because this at least there was stability and structure, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, it was just really, really hard. And then all of a sudden, released with probably not a plan and (laughs) right back to the same old,
1: same old. Is that Right back into the, like I like to call it the gutter. You're right right back into the swing of things. Because, you know, I grew up in not only the juvenile system, but the adult system as well. Right. Right. So again, jail was one of the norms for me. Mm -hmm. Right. Being in and out of the hospital was one of the norms for me. Right right and um, you know it, it just never ever stopped it was something that I was used to is the chaos right right yeah or that's that's the familiar piece right yeah. and,
0: I mean that's yeah. such such a struggle is when that chaos is is the prevalent force and yeah and, and the, 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 almost what you can rely on is exactly. the chaos That that makes it really hard yeah I had to feel like there's ability to make that change as any any yeah. calm or any peace that you're seeking seems almost foreign, right?
1: Yeah. Right. And I think that's basically what the drugs gave me, is it gave me this euphoria that life was perfect. Right. Right. I didn't have to feel. I didn't have to think. I didn't have to be responsible, right? It was all taken away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Huh. Yeah,
0: no, that's that's quite some. Now. What do you do you remember your first uh, intervention or you so obviously there's hospital mm-hmm. stays and yeah. there's, you know, jail, you know, jail time? Yeah, not exactly what we could consider, you know, uh, a stab at an intervention yeah. or, or yeah. when, so when did you first become aware of, you know, uh, that recovery was possible or that there were options out there for you?
1: kind of um interesting because i do think about it um you know i i was um at my late auntie's place in esquimalt and i kind of you know gumped my way into recovery because my intent was to find medication to help me with the withdrawals right Mm. so i went to a doctor's clinic In Esquimalt, while i was inebriated and asking for medication to help me for tomorrow's withdrawal that was my strategic plan right so the doctor laughed because he, he he knew i was inebriated and mixing the medication with alcohol is just a no right so he goes well why don't we get you into detox I'm going. Well, I'm here for medication. I'm not here for detox. I didn't know what detox was back then in my right. early twenties. Right. Yeah. So he um, he didn't give me the medication that I wanted. Right. <laughs> um, he ended up making the call. I said, okay, whatever. You know. I mean, yeah. It didn't really. It didn't really matter because I didn't get what I wanted so i went and i told my auntie and my late brother that okay i guess i'm going to detox whatever that is right so that kind of you know it really opened the doors to the programs that i didn't know existed right Right. and it was such as aa and na right because i was first introduced to aa and then na it's like oh Oh, well, what's this? Right, right. I'm just here to detox. I don't know what this is all about. Right. right. Huh. <laughs> so, ta-da! Here, right? I am. <laughs> yeah, here I am. Right. It's like, right. wow. Okay, that must have been a
0: <laughs> must have been a shock without being able to prepare. Just jump right into detox, right? Yeah. It, now, so that first experience, it, bit of an eye-opener, I guess. While you're there, yeah, you start understanding that there's other. You
1: know, options out there to support yeah. you. It was good to know that, you know, the facility was there um, because, you know, I, I was, you know, a really heavy binge drinker. Okay. Right. And it was always imperative, even by my doctors, that, you know, that I do have the medications accessible for my withdrawals. Mm and knowing that detox was there you know it was my safe place where i can you know detox for eight days and feel good and ta-da good to go you know i got my eight days i'm feeling better i'm ready to go out and relapse again right
0: (laughs) right so it was just a breather
1: it It was was basically yeah. yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: But probably, probably valuable breather's and probably planted a bit of a seed that
1: I just kept going. I think that was the magic of it. Like, right. you know, you hear it in the programs, just keep coming back. Right. So, you know, in hindsight, that was that was the only safe place where I knew I could go, and where I would be able to be safely detoxed for eight days. And I would feel safe, and then I would just keep going. I was a like I was a total repeat offender at detox, but right. I kept going. Right. Hence, you know, the meetings were always there too. Right. Right. So the I meetings are coming, coming to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> so you actually started being able to kind of get introduced to uh, yeah. to that aspect. And yeah, I mean, I think that's such such a great uh, service that that A and N A comes to you know, the deep Docs facility and, yeah. you know, at least yeah. can, can get that. And when people are, are in that, maybe that moment of wanting to make a change.
1: Very right. raw, yeah. very going through states of confusion, withdrawal, just completely, you know, if you will, rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. It's a, a safe place to go. And right. uh, you know, interesting. I, I actually do the very same panels right. there to okay, right? To give back what was given to me, right? right. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, I, I mean, it just uh, what you're speaking of is just like the the absolute importance and value of of a facility like a detox yeah. facility. Yeah, and you know, I'm always saddened by how long it takes people to get wow. in because I really feel. That if we had a system that people could, like you say, mm-hmm. keep on coming back, and every time you might be building a little bit upon yeah, that, and yeah. actually having that ability to, hey, when I need that detox, yeah, it's there right. <laughs> and it's there, kind of in real time. Definitely. You know, I, I I feel that if that's something that you know if that's on my wish list, like that's always number one on my wish list, is it's... have a, have a place where people could walk in and just be able to get those services because, right? Yeah. You, like you're saying, this mm-hmm. is you kept on going back. And so yeah. without even really wanting to maintain your sobriety at the time, you yeah. were building and working on your recovery. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Funny thing too about that detox too um, you know, I I'd always go in as ironic as it may seem. I'd always go in just a week before check day, right? Mm. And that was basically my little system. And then I'd watch a lot of the people leave right on check day. right? Because yeah. this is a trigger. It's like, oh, yep. I got money got now. Money. Yeah. Ta-da, off to the races, right? Yeah. I'd watch them all leave. Like the whole detox would clear right out every month. Right. I'm like, oh, my God, there they go. But I would actually stay for the full eight days until they right. actually released me. Right. It's like okay, I'm just gonna stay, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Sticking it out. Yeah. And so, how long did this, you know, go on for you? Was this like a a
1: pattern for years, or was this a period? Um, It was for decades, at least, probably three decades. Um, In and out of detox, in and out of the hospitals, in and out of jails. Um, it was always the same thing over and over and over and over again. But the only thing I could actually comprehend was just keep coming back. Right. You know right. I couldn't fathom anything more than that because, yeah. you know, A, I didn't really have anywhere else to go, and B, I burnt all my bridges, right? Okay. So where else was I going to go right. other than the hospitals? jails or detox right 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 or and or back to the streets right right yeah
0: so it was it was a cycle but at least there was some there is some light and there was yeah. some kind of hope that yeah. was
1: kind of still in in that structure then yeah. with with the detox day and definitely because what they you know what they've done over over the years for me is like i'd go into second stage housing like recovery homes mm. And I was able to get a little bit more sobriety, a little bit more clean time, and start taking my life a little bit more seriously. Right. Opposed to, you know, going into detox, getting detoxed for eight days and then right back out to relapse. Right. 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 Yeah. So kind of planning
0: it. This in your mind
1: it's not a it's a yeah.
0: Foregone conclusion. I'm gonna have my eight days and then I'm gonna go out and <laughs> right. 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 So yeah. now all of a sudden you're getting starting to piece that together with some yeah. stays at a at sober living, you know, second yeah. stage facilities. Yeah. Um, how, how was that having a little bit
1: longer time under your? It felt really good because, you know, I've done treatment centers well because of the traumas that I've gone through over the decades. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, you know, it just really gave me more of an acute awareness that I need help. Right and that i'm not alone and you know i think with my pride and my ego which has really done a disservice to me because i kept doing the same things over and over again right right so eventually you know i started feeling better for longer periods of time you know i'd get Six months, nine months, one year, 18 months, multiple years. Right. You know, there's been numerous relapses in between. Sure. Right. But it just kept giving me more strength to believe in something that's actually good. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And seeing
0: the the benefits that you're, right, building that life back together. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I mean... You know, so if you're starting to put together these nine months stretches, mm-hmm. you know, year stretches, you know, adding that together, all of a sudden, this is, you know, quite a wow. lot of time and sobriety, uh, yeah. you know, that you're starting to see, right? Almost outweighing yeah. the other side. Yeah. So, so what, what led us to the point of making that, you know, real shift to, to, you know,
1: stability and. Um, I'd have to say some awareness is along the way. You know, I kind of thought that, you know, there was times I felt like I was constitutionally incapable of living on my own. Mm. I actually believed that. Right. And, you know, again, you know, all these awarenesses of what I am, who I am, where I came from, the questions, right, of what I can and can't do. So it just drew to more and more questions. Questions, a lot of them I can't answer, right, mm. to this day, right. but I can, right, to some of the more basic ones. Right. Um, it's, you know, it just really led to more and more discovery sure. about what, what I can do and what I can't do, right? right? So I'm very, very fortunate to be where I am right now. Because, you know, despite my past, despite the traumas I grew up with, like even, you know, being raised off reserve Mm. and not knowing my culture and not knowing where I fit in, um, particularly fit in as a two-spirit person, right? Right. Um, That was even more challenging. Um, So again, you know, discovering all of me I couldn't do alone I tried I really tried you know with various vast amounts of helpers throughout my life Hmm. you know that guided me along the way you know I, I disagreed with some of them and some of them I did intakes like oh okay you know like find a find a sponsor Get a home group, right. do service, keep going to meetings, get out in community, right? Stuff like that. It's like, oh, because I, I just know that, you know, for me, over the decades, I just basically went into meetings, got what I needed and left. I'm more mm-hmm. of an introvert. Right. Um, I, you know, I'm working on the social piece, mm. but um, it's getting better right um yeah
0: but it kind of forced your hand a little bit then right yeah uh, right yeah. to get connected and to stay connected and to seek yeah. support and yeah um you know and i always say that that recovery you know and and mm-hmm. being forced into this it does force you to look at yourself and and yeah. who you are and and yeah. and your place oh. and and overcome you know mm-hmm. um you know something that's happened in the past and and past situations and and environments and so i think it's 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 you know when they talk about gifts of recovery i say this every time i think Mm -hmm. that's a huge gift is it actually forces our hand to actually look at that right right um so i mean obviously that's that's a ton of work Mm -hmm. um where you know for you where did you find that stability like you know uh you said you felt like you couldn't live alone I'm yeah. pretty sure you're. Yeah, you're. You know, you've got a place of your own. When did that happen? When was that? When did wow. that shift take place? Was there any like key moments for you that was like, "Wow, I'm yeah. I'm here. I, I'm doing I, it. I'm I, defying defying the odds. I'm," you know.
1: You know, I, I really, if I could think about where it all shifted, um, I think it all started to shift when I started. You know, when I was on the street, and my niece, my late niece, she invited me out to a movie, right. Mm-hmm. And then not too long after that, she ended up in the hospital all alone, by herself. And she called me. She told me. And, you know, I was on the street then, and I thought, oh, I better get up there. So I did. I went to go see her. She was in the triage all by herself. Um, She was sitting there with her broken phone. You know, somebody needed to be there, and it was me. Mm. You know, I was there. And I remember that 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 day or night. You know, the doctor came in, and um, you know, she hasn't been to detox before in her life, right? Okay. And I, being a repeat offender, she asked, "Well, what is that?" And because uh, the doctor came in and said that we have a bed for you. And her eyes got really big. It's like, oh, it's detox. Right. Right. So I was able to walk her to the doors of detox for the first time in her life. Okay. So I did that. And, you know, I was on the street then. So that shift started when I started thinking less about myself. Okay. And more about others.
0: Amazing.
1: Okay. So that was that was one of the shifts for me to actually become selfless, right? And think of
0: others, right? Right. Yeah. Almost looking it's like that service piece, right? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. That hey, I actually have something to offer here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, you know, coming from from that and, Mm -hmm. and and building, when when did you first kind of
1: stand on your own two feet and you know Wow um, I would have to say I think after I took a, a trauma-informed course it was basic introductions to trauma at Bridges for women and it helped me become more acutely aware of you know my mental health mm-hmm. my trauma and there and then there's my addictions right you know which gave me oh okay so i got mental health i got trauma and addiction so i started looking at three of those as new to me because over the decades i've always paid attention to my addiction mm. and that was it right Right, I was never aware of my mental health or my trauma. What was up? Which was a part of my addiction.
0: So it's all just kind of in <laughs> yeah. one big thing. So all of a sudden, you're able to kind of start pulling it apart and yeah. recognizing that there's yeah. more to
1: it, way more to it. You know, again, I do respect the programs and what they give me. Like it gives me the ability to be aware that yes, I am an alcoholic. I'm an addict. But I. It also. There's only so much that can do for me, because I needed to take a look at my mental health and my traumas in community outside of the programs, respectively. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so now, kind of getting this firm
0: grasp on, and really putting in the time and and effort. Yeah. um, When. When did you shift to kind of more of that service work? You know, I, I know yeah. that because that that is kind of where yeah. the the shift took place for you, did it not? It where did. all of a sudden it's like, hey, I want to take my experience and and put it to good, right? You're you're oh. starting to seek personal yeah. recovery and mm-hmm. and starting to get some stability, and yeah. assuming at that point you've getting get in your own place and getting yeah. kind of back on. When did that shift be like, hey, I gotta, I need to do something with this, and I need,
1: you know? Um, I think the most important thing, like, you know, I remember, you know, I reluctantly got into service for NA. You know, I started getting to, you know, a PR level, and that really gave me something to go on to look at. You know really getting into service you know i mean i know i got my home group i got a sponsee i'm doing the steps i'm going to meetings so on and so forth but really looking at the business aspect of doing things for community right and having that structure okay. because i didn't have structure in my life right, right. so having that that um that gift of being of service for both organizations, it gave me that structure. It gave me that confidence and that ability that, oh, I can actually do things for the community to help them, right? Mm. So it really gave me a lot of routine. Mm. It gave me a lot of structure, to right. build on a foundation, uh, being able to be out in community, and also still do my programs, because I I do have to be mindful that yes, I'm still an alcoholic, right. I'm still an addict, yeah. I still need to go to meetings, right? Right. There's still things that you need to do for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's medicine right. to me. It's yeah. medicine, right? right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if I need to take that very seriously, right? And right. uh, change takes time right Absolutely. yeah 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 now
0: you know you you actually went back to school and, yes. and took you that must have been quite wow quite a moment for you hey yeah uh, you know um, what a, an accomplishment too. It, mm-hmm. it, what what gave you the the conviction to take something like that on that's a <laughs> you know a heavy program but it's something one that's um, you yeah. know very valuable and
1: yeah and, You know, I I think about that, too, and I think about what really motivated me. Um, You know, I I just remember a time when my son graduated, right? Mm -hmm. And I watched him come into this world, right? And he graduated, and I'm going like, graduated before me <laughs> 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 and you know I, I can laugh at that now because you know that kind of shame You know, I was like I was happy for him right, right in the right. sense but the awareness is like wow my son graduated before I did like so that kind of planted the seed to go back to school right okay. Amazing. yeah so i did when i went back to school with words of wisdom by you know because i you know I, I wanted to get my 12 right and i wanted to become an outreach worker that was the reason to get my 12 right, right. there was motive there and intent it's like okay because i started asking other organizations what does it what do i need to do In order to become an outreach worker right Mm. so i spoke to one and uh you know coming from the street level i didn't want to talk to anybody that was a textbook worker right? right right so they put an outreach worker that came from the street that really understood where i was coming from i remember his exact words and that's what really motivated me he told me specifically get your fucking ass back to school. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. I said, oh, okay. See, those are the words I can understand. Right, right? yeah, totally. So I did, and I went back to Camosun again, right? And, uh, you know, I've been in Camosun for a very long time. I'd always go to school but never do the work.
0: Right, right. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's what one of my instructors told me for, like, 15 years. Okay. Because he got to know me. He's like, okay, you'd come to school, but you really wouldn't do anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: the intention was there, the follow-through, not somewhere. <laughs> right. Again, there's a
1: familiarity with it, because there's a sick familiarity with, you know, the detox thing. Right. The intent, always showing up, because it was a safe place for me to go and fit in. Right same thing with school right i'd go for the free bus pass and the free coffee and i would get to mingle a little right not yeah. do any work so you know again that's where the transferable skills are where i would go i get what i want get what i need and i'm good to go right right, right. and you know i think you know, once I started applying myself in society by actually doing work right. and actually changing, right? That's when I started noticing, oh, there's more to it than than just showing up. Right. But that was half the battle. Right. Right. Even at meetings.
0: You're getting through the doors. Yeah. Same
1: thing, just showing up. Right getting in for the full hour and see you later, I'm gone, good to go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think after I started applying myself, even when I started doing the service work, um, I was really, really wanting to give more than just take, right? Because I was a taker most of my life. I would take and I would never give back. Right. Now I can do that because, you know, being in school now, I've done a bit of outreach work, which I really loved because it was my dream job to do. Right. Right. Yeah. And then they moved me into housing. Right. I was able to help clients with the housing aspect. Right. And I'm currently now in shelters. Right. Right. So it gave me experience to help people right who are still vulnerable at risk with mental health addictions and trauma right, right. and what a what an amazing kind of full
0: circle you know yeah. where now, now you can be that that guiding light that's got to feel yeah feel empowering but also you know yeah that's got to be a special feeling to know that you're, that you're giving back and yeah. that you can you know resonate you do know where these folks have been
1: and mm-hmm. you
0: know that, that is so impactful yeah.
1: It is, because, you know, with the circle thing, too, you know, I mean, it's not a coincidence that, you know, I'm working at the very shelter in which I've stayed at multiple times. Wow, right. You know, I'm talking about both shelters, RBL and Sandy Merriman, because I was always bouncing in between the two when I was an active addiction, right? Right. I've used the services that were out there, literally used the services, right? Yeah. Without giving anything back. And, um, you know, I started by doing volunteer work at Rock Bay Landing, you know, by doing the clean and safe team because I wanted to give back to the community. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they housed me when I was at high risk on the streets. Right. And Sandy Merriman as well. You know, I was suffering immensely at both of those places. And now, you know, it's such a gift that I'm able to help our people that are there, which is family to me, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's good to have the training and all that, and the tools, educational tools to help, which is definitely very helpful for me. Right. Because you know, having knowledge of the streets is one thing, yeah. right? Having the education to help is another, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So now yeah. you've got both of those
0: yeah. elements
1: at play, right? Exactly, yeah. and it's such a gift to be able to do that because now, not only am I acutely aware of self care, burnout. Um, mm managing my life with the programs, therapy, my family life, my family life, right? Mm-hmm. Friends and recovery. Friends outside of recovery. Right. Right. And I just I <clears throat> wanna touch on a little bit about umbrella. You know, I mean I just remember in my early recovery that I didn't know how to go out and meet for coffee. Right. You know, I, I it's like, oh oh okay we'll go have coffee right Right. (laughs) the the two workers i had an umbrella is like wow you want to go and meet coffee have coffee like whatever right Right, it's that kind of um, <laughs> uh,
0: that invitation to get back to something normal, right? Yeah, <laughs> to to right. find some normalcy. In it. it was right. really,
1: it was all about connecting, right? right? And I remember the workers; they were great. Um, Ron was one. I, I still remember the other one. I, her name keeps slipping, but they were the first two workers I had, and it just really. Um, you know, because, you know, I mean, you know, respectively, they talk about coffee after the meetings. But, you know, again, I was that type, I'd go into the meeting, get what I wanted and see you later. Right. Never have coffee with those people whatsoever. Right. But this was the introduction to learn how to actually go out in community and connect and be with somebody. And, you know. How are you doing today? Right, right. What's is everything okay? Just an authentic human connection.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. Right. Which which seems normal to some, but for you know, but when you're in in active addiction or doing that's that's not uh, that might not be a normal thing, right? For those who don't know, yeah, our outreach team uh, always we'll meet people just out in community wherever they're at, uh, for, you know, for a coffee and, uh, trying to make it as just normal, uh, an interaction as as possible really. And just taking away that stigma. Right. So I, that's funny that, yeah, that you mentioned
1: that. That's uh, yeah. yeah. I can just remember, you know, I mean, it taught me so much, you know, again, I'm, you know, I, I with all these labels, you know, being an introvert, you're an alcoholic, you're an addict, you have PTSD, you know, all these things, all these stigmas attached mm. to that. You know, I'm I'm just a human being right. that wants to experience things that other human beings experience. Absolutely. And that word normal is like it was never normal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, oh. but now I get to feel, I get to talk, I get to mm. communicate, I get to connect, get out of isolation, you know. That's something that I would encourage anybody that feels alone mm. and feels not not counted in. You know, um, you'll probably see me out there. Say hi, you know. I'll say hi, and, you know, I mean, it's all about connecting. It's all about being inclusive. It's all about, you know, hey, this is what's going on for me today. Right. Vice versa, right? Right. And I think that's just one of the most important things, especially today, you know, with right. everything that's going on today, yeah. and what we've experienced with the epidemic, right, mm-hmm. and the pandemic, and mental health, addictions, right. trauma, right, right, the increase of that, yeah, right, and the importance, like you say,
0: of of connecting, of reaching yeah. out, of having human interaction, as basic or as complex as you want to, yes. right, but right just even saying hi to people and right. having some sort of connection to the the community and yeah i, I think that's amazing and i always say to those you know um a and na you know is there just any kind of meeting yeah. where you're meeting people that might be having the same struggle as you how
1: powerful that is it right? is you know, I've been to pretty much every program I can think of. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, doesn't right. it ever stop? Right. But, you know, again, you know, even with technology, you know, we're able to do that, right? Right. Um, do the Zoom meetings. Like, I didn't know how to do that. Like, right. wow, we can do that. Like, so, you know, connect through technology. You can, you know, people. I like to phone people. Right, right. Not yeah. texting is great, and you know, I like like actually hitting the call button, right. actually and having a conversation. <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah, there's right, there's yeah. something different about that, right? Yeah, so. yeah. And I, I often, sometimes, you know, will shock somebody with a video meeting, like. Oh, you want to see my face too, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> but connection is connection. Yeah. So, so yeah. Is, would
0: that be your your big you know for people that are mm-hmm. you know, you know people that you work with or if yeah. you go to detox on the panel? Yeah. You know what is that your big message is to connect or what 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 do you say to what do you say you to know, folks? Yeah, I
1: know. it's Just I, I I understand the suffering. Hmm. Um, you know, I know that deep down inside. You know doing things alone with that pride you know I'll make it I got this mm. I'm fine right when we're really not mm. right those are the moments where connection happens and you know it comes from a power that's greater than ourselves whatever that power is right right because That's what I love doing. I'm a helper. I'm inviting. I'll always, you know, I'll always have time for you regardless of the busy, busy, whatever you're doing, right? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think that's just so great. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that we have someone like you in our community and continuing to, uh, you know, that message and just and also to you know mm-hmm. you're you're treading this this path of, of recovery and, and you're doing yeah. it really gracefully and, and admirably and uh yeah you know this has just been an absolutely amazing conversation i'm i'm so glad that you took the time to come in and and you know tell this story and and i i know that this is gonna make a big impact for mm-hmm. those who are listening so i really appreciate Definitely. you and I, I really appreciate
1: you coming in uh thank you i really appreciate giving back and being a part of so important, Absolutely. so important. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Eileen. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you once again to Eileen for coming in. Um, yeah, I just found that such a uh, powerful and amazing story and I'm just, uh, you know, so grateful and really touched too. you know, to hear Eileen, you know, say, Hey, these are some things that I have never spoken about before. You know, I, I think that's uh, it takes a lot of guts to, uh, You know have those kind of conversations especially in this setting to be able to share with uh, the greater public so thank you so much Eileen Uh, you know what struck me was you know someone so young at at, you know 11 12 years old being able to um, attempt an intervention you know for her mom and and her mom's partner I I think that just shows you know the strength of Eileen's character and obviously that served her well when when Eileen finally decided to uh, access recovery and just Eileen's uh, sense of, you know, always learning—not just um, about herself, but just learning more about her culture and and going back to school and having that confidence to to give something new a try—I think really inspiring. So thank you so much. Um, in about two weeks' time, we're going to have our last podcast of the season of twenty twenty three. I really can't wait. We have another strong uh, woman from our recovery community uh, joining us. So that's going to be a great way to close out the year. Uh, In the meantime, I hope everyone stays happy and healthy. And remember, recovery is possible. Um, Talk to you soon. From Victoria, British Columbia, my name is Blake Anderson.